Welcome to the Bluegrass Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking to Kristen Wilcox, one of the founders of Kentucky Moms for Medical Cannabis, as well as a member of the Governor's Medical Cannabis Advisory Committee, assembled to advise on cannabis legislation in Kentucky. We have a great conversation about cannabis, creating legislation with patients and communities first, and what we can see not working with Kentucky officials and how they're treating cannabis. I very much appreciate her taking the time, and we're excited to start. But first, as many of you may be aware, there has been severe flooding throughout eastern Kentucky with at least 37 people dead, and that number is expected to rise with growing heat and continuing rains. Anything you can give, volunteer, or send is much appreciated, and you can do so at AppalachianKentucky.org, link in the bio, as well as on our website, They have supply lists, drop-off centers, and anything else you might need. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for supporting others in their time of need. And welcome to the Bluegrass Podcast. So how did you end up becoming a patient advocate? Like, how did you get started with advocating for legalization and for cannabis? Sure. Um, And I actually had no plans to do this, not a care in the world to do this. And then um, in 2005, I gave birth to a beautiful baby girl mm-hmm. named Shelby at four months old. She started having seizures um, and it was terrible. She was life flighted repeatedly, no answers. Um, finally, we got um, a diagnosis after, when she was three years old. It took that long to find the right diagnosis. But after genetic testing, it came back that she had Dravet syndrome. Um, It is a rare and deadly form of medication-resistant epilepsy. Um, So, you know, once we were happy that we finally had the answer, but then when you start looking at the prognosis, there really was none. It was pretty much, you know, good luck. Your Mm -hmm. child's probably going to die, and I refuse to settle for that. Nonetheless, we did the best we could, um, finding the right cocktail of medicine that would, um, her her seizures were never fully under control, but we would do the best we could, and then when um, it would stop working, we'd try to find something else. We were, you know, just scattering around. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then in 2010, I believe it was, um, there was actually an article on the news. I'm, maybe it was 60 Minutes or something I was watching. And I had never met another child with Gervais syndrome. And there was an ad saying, you know, tonight on 60 Minutes, we have this doctor and child with Gervais syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so I had to watch and it turns out it was a Colorado doctor who had been treating patients with Gervais syndrome from all over the country with medical cannabis. So immediately I perked up. There were um, miracle stories being told. And this was at a time when I had no hope for my own daughter. We were just watching her wither away and, um, the cognitive declines were becoming much more obvious. Um, 
and you know her her future looked very grim and I needed that little bit of hope and uh so that's when I started you know realizing that hey I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can do with this you know Mm -hmm. it may it may or may not work for us but it's definitely um, gives me more hope than anything the doctors ever told me before. So that was the start of it. And did you all go through this mostly alone or were you able to find some form of community to talk to in addition to what you saw or what was that path like trying to discover this on your own? Um, For years, it was just uh, us and the internet really. And uh, we, didn't have internet at our house. So I would go up to my in-laws house, just right up the hill. They had internet, you know, dial up Mm -hmm. and I would get on the internet and find out everything, you know, that we could see what's out there for Gervais syndrome. There was literally a half a page of information. Um, It wasn't well known, you know, nobody knew anything much about it. The children with it were you know, mostly dying before the age of two. And uh, it, it scared the hell out of me. So, of course, when um, this doctor came on this big nationwide news report talking about I'm saving these kids life, that's that was the answer I needed in that moment. So yeah. uh, it wasn't it, years later, there was a. Gervais support group on Facebook I found and connected with but for a long time we were very much alone and did that encourage you at all to start Kentucky Moms for Medical Cannabis not having that community and like you said trying to find that in the Gervais Facebook group or having to go and find that yes yes very much so um just on social media you know, we started the group just a few years ago, but prior to that, just on social media, you connect with people randomly use, you know, the hashtags or whatever. And, um, I started telling our story. I was very public, publicly posting about my daughter's seizures, the day-to-day struggles and, and you connect with people. Somebody knows this person and that person and, Mm -hmm. um, come, come to find out, all of us were wildly um, hopeful about medical marijuana and we all wanted to, um, we all wanted, were hopeful that that would bring change for our children. Um, So I started connecting there on social media, mostly on Facebook with other parents um, and and people with other conditions too, who were hopeful that medical marijuana would help with their own conditions. So it was there. I found a lot of like-minded people. Um, from there, I decided, well, you know, I've got this beautiful little daughter, awful story. I'm going to walk into the, um, I'm going to go, you know, I learned how the legislative process works, something I never cared anything at all about prior to this. Mm-hmm. But, but I thought I'm going to walk in, tell my story to these people. They're going to tear up and, and we're going to get some 
a bill written and legislation passed and we're going to get this done. And I walked in there that morning, the first time at the Frankfurt Capitol, I was strong and confident and um, I left that day completely broken. Um, that's what it does to you to realize that uh, the people serving you really don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about your children. Um, and and they're really there to self-serve. And, and that's that, how I felt when I left. And is that what activated you to get more involved? Because I know you're with the governor's medical panel now. So is yes. that what moved it from the social media group and connecting with other people out in the community to really being an advocate and a voice on the front? Yes, I, I joined up with um, Kentuckians for Medical Marijuana uh, back in 2015, and they really lit me up and taught me so much about advocacy work. Um, Eric and Michelle Crawford, Jaime Montalvo, uh, they are the gold standard when it comes to advocacy work in, in Kentucky, medical cannabis, anything. And they really taught me um, so much. But, but I started finding, as I would talk to legislators, I started seeing the need for other parents to get involved. And, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I started feeling like that's where the pushback was. And so it was within that group that um, I met Julie Cantwell, who is the other co-founder of Kentucky Moms for Medical Cannabis, and met her. Um, and she also, she had a son who has um, epilepsy. And so that's where we started out, um, the moms group. And, and we've just grown stronger from there. And I believe she's also on the medical advisory board as well. She right? is. Yes, she is. We, um, it was kind of funny when the governor made the announcement that he was going to do this. Um, Julie and I were actually on the phone together and I think we both got chills and knew immediately that we were meant for this. And uh, the, what the governor had wanted to do was have us travel around, talk to people, get their stories. Well, that's what we've been doing for years on our own. And I knew that if there was ever a job for us, this would be it. So we both sent in our resumes and, um, and we were, luckily we were both picked. So um, very grateful to be on that board. And going around the state as you have, because a friend of mine and I drove down to Pikeville for that yes. meeting, and I know there have been four. Have you mm -hmm. seen anything where before you might have had one idea about cannabis legislation or what you were looking for? I know you've been really tied into the community before, but just having that different position to hear people's stories and in that venue, have you seen anything that you found interesting or has changed your idea about cannabis at all going around the state and that sort of more official capacity? Um, I've never felt it's very empowering, but it's so heartbreaking, you know, and I've said this a million times before we, you know, I started this to help my daughter and 
it was all about her. But now this is so much bigger than us. And being in this position has not, we've every 98.5% was the last count we had of positive interactions, people who support this issue. Um, it's not changed my views in any way, except for now I feel even more responsible to try to get this done for people, to try to help people out. This is bigger than us and people are desperate all over the state. It don't matter. Um, black, white, uh, Republican, Democrat, adult or child, people are desperate for this. And, and I feel, um, I feel the responsibility to try to do everything in my power to get this done. And I know the governor is, very supportive and he feels the same way so we're we're grateful I'm grateful to have this platform and um we'll continue doing this and whether the governor gets it done or it takes us fighting another 20 years I will be there every step of the way I remember at the meeting you all mentioned that the responses were so overwhelmingly positive yes. in relation to this why do you think it's so hard in Kentucky to get this passed when there really is such broad public support? Well, I can tell you the honest answer, which is something that, uh, you know, at the beginning of every one of our meetings and with respect to the entire board, they tell us at the beginning of every meeting, this is not po uh, political. We're not going to make it political. Um, so you know, you're not supposed to say anything um, that sounds political, but this is a political issue. We know why this is not passing. It is, um, there are two men, if you want to be real specific, one man in this state, um, Robert Stivers, he is the president of the Senate and mm -hmm. the chair for the committee on committees. He is stopping this. We have the support in both the House and the Senate, and he refuses. Every year we get it through the House with ease, and then we'll, you know, it goes through the, to the Senate, and he will sit on that bill and refuse to allow it into a committee. So they can't even have a hearing on the bill. It has no chance. He'll let it die year after year. Has he made Robert, any sort of pub, public comment about that, or is it just quiet yes. and kills it every time? Well, he he's laughed at us before. He has um, he's publicly you know publicly publicly laughed at us before. He has um, made you know made a mockery of this entire movement, saying that um, oh well. Y'all should just have some bourbon for your ailments. That's something he said a couple years ago. Mm. Um, he is heavily lobbied by the pharmaceutical industry, by the bourbon industry. Um, and his wife works. Uh, she is a pharmaceutical lobbyist. So, uh, you know, it's it's a. A what do they call it? A conflict of interest mm -hmm. in a big way for a lot of these people and um and that's what we're up against 
And I fear that until he is gone, nothing will change. We've tried. We've delivered thousands of pages of printed studies. You know, years ago, he used to tell us, oh, well, there's just not enough studies on this. And we spent lots of money and hand delivered him printed thousands of printed pages of every study that's ever been done. We've done everything he's asked us to do and he just don't care. Um, We've met with him multiple times and he continues to just mock us and this entire movement. But it's not that he's, he's a, he don't believe in it. I think he's just protecting his own financial interests. And it's mm-hmm. sad that that's what we're up against here in Kentucky. And I, like you mentioned him, and I believe there are a few different people who sort of have taken that line too of no yes. matter what the answer is going to be. No, I believe yes. Dan Rather is another one who's been, who's pretty much said he'll say no until he's voted out. Damon Thayer. Is, Damon I Thayer. Believe, that's right. Yes. He, um, Robert Stivers is from Manchester, by the way, that's important to point out. And these people are in Senate leadership, Senate majority leadership. They're all Republicans. Um, and for the record, I'm a proud independent, have been since the day I registered to vote at 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, I very much believe in person and not party. Um, but these are Republicans standing in the way. Uh, Damon Thayer is the Senate majority floor le- floor leader. He's from Georgetown. And yes, he got on KET a few months ago and said, oh, well, uh, if, if I know my people are for it, they've been bugging me for years about it. If they don't like it, they can take it out on me in the next election. That's... <laughs> I mean, you can watch the video. That's what he said. It's hard to fight against that sort of uh, position. There's really, it seems like, not a lot that you could do, or rather you've done everything that you should have done. Yeah. We've we've tried to play by the rules. We've um, taken bills. You know, I I don't know how closely or for how long you've followed, but, um, you know, our bills started out, great the you know house bill i think it was 166 was Mm -hmm. the first good medical cannabis bill we had here that i remember um and and each year they get stripped down to nothing and Mm -hmm. with the last two or three years now the bills we have proposed have been super strict and just watered down versions of, you know, minimal access thinking, you know, that it, that it would make a difference to these people. And maybe, maybe this year, if we do this or take this out, maybe they'll let it slide this year and they won't, it don't matter what we do. They don't want to play fair. The bottom line is these people have forgot that they work for you Mm -hmm. and, and people aren't showing up to vote. People aren't running against these awful 
representatives we have. Um, but their, their sole purpose in our legislature is to mirror the voices of the majority of their constituents. And that's not what they're doing anymore. They've forgotten that that's, they're there to work for you and not themselves. And until we can shake that up a bit, I fear that nothing will change. And what are, do you have any suggestions or resources that you could suggest to listeners who might want to get involved about how they can help make that change or how they can get involved with their legislators? The first thing to do is you've got to be registered to vote. Mm -hmm. Um, That is the most important single thing that you can do is register to vote. Talk to your legislators. Find out where they stand. Don't just ask if, hey, are you for medical marijuana? Or are you for recreational marijuana? They all say yes. It's, it's about ask specific questions. Find out exactly where they stand and with what limitations. Educate them. And if, mm-hmm. you, don't, and if you don't like your options, then consider running against them. Mm. I think that's Um, like you talked about a big one, getting involved in that way, running for office and really standing up doors, go to these, go to these, um, you know, you don't have to have money to be a good advocate, go to these districts, reach out to their opposition and knock on doors for them. There Mm -hmm. are ways that you can help. And, um, but voting is definitely number one. Second to that, um, and I don't even know if it's very helpful anymore, but you can call 1-800-372-7181. That gets you into the legislative hotline. They're um, very nice people that answer the phone over there, and they'll let you know who your representatives are, or you can leave a message to all representatives, mm-hmm. half of somebody, the Senate or the House whoever you want to, or you can leave the message for your own um, representatives. And just all you have to say is, you know, tell them whatever you want to say. I I expect you to legalize medical cannabis or I'll be voting against you. It's time that we do this. Um, That's, that's one thing you can do each year. We have, um, more calls for this issue into the LRC hotline than any other in the state uh, easily. And legislators and the, um, the commission will tell you that, but we've got to get, we've got to get our legislators working for us again, but it all comes down to voting. If they won't, you got to vote them out. Mm-hmm. And are there any legislators who you found have been more helpful in the process over the last few years or who have actually listened or helped you all try and move this ball forward? Yes, there has. Um, Jason Names names or Nemus out mm-hmm. of Louisville, he has been a supporter of the bill. He has been um, one of the main people that, uh, well, he he presents the sole sponsor of the legislation. He brings in tons of co-sponsors each year. We're grateful for all of them. Uh, One thing that just continues to bother me about it though, is that um, 
they keep letting the state, these stakeholders come in, other legislators with their own special interests come in and strip parts out of this, these bills, but they bring everybody to the table except for Kentucky patients. And that really bothers me. Um, Mm -hmm. The bills that we have presented over the last couple of years will help very few people, if any. Um, and, And I have a problem with that. I think that it's time that we introduce a good bill again. And when they start stripping it away, it's time to walk away. That's not what we want. That's not what patients need. And, and we're here to serve them. It's, it's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've been talking about on a few of the bills, I believe when, once they do get stripped down on that list of qualifying conditions, sometimes when it gets to the end, it seems like it's only a handful, five or six conditions that yes. they'll actually allow it for. Right. And without a good bill, you're just going to be fueling the the black market. I try to um, emphasize this every time I talk about a bill, but, you know, they've made it so, it'll be so expensive and it'll help so few people that we will still be criminalizing legitimate patients Mm-hmm. all around i mean and and that's just not um that's not helpful not at all so with the bills getting stripped down when they are trying mm-hmm. to get through what would you like to see included maybe this is more of a christmas list question but like okay. what is the bill in your mind that should be moving forward if the goal is to help people and have that be the primary goal of the legislation what can get well, added in one one thing that um, you know has become a taboo topic, like we're not even supposed to bring it up anymore because it's so far out there. But one thing is home grows. Mm-hmm. Um, any any good medical marijuana program um, should have the inclusion, diversity, and equity to have that on the table. Um, you know, we present bills with that option each year and it's the first thing that legislators strip from it. Um, but Kentucky patients both need and want the option to grow their own medicine at home. And why shouldn't they have that option? Um, Absolutely. Well, it's cost effective and honestly, the quality that a lot of from Illinois and California Oftentimes, mm-hmm. you can grow a higher quality of cannabis than you can buy at the dispensary. Right. And and think about the, the qualifying conditions. You've got this little list of qualifying conditions. Think about the people who have those conditions. How are they? Most of them are disabled already greatly and either can't work or have, a, you know, these small budget or fixed income households, how do you expect them to be able to afford this and, um, and then put food on the table too? I think that, I think that um, patients should have the option to grow their own at home. Um, And, and I'm going to fight for that. Um, Not to let the cat out of the bag, but, 
I think it's already sort of a thing. There are a lot of people in Kentucky who are really good at growing cannabis. Sometimes yes. you don't need to look outside. Right. And and I see it as the safer option, too. I mean, um, I, I see no reason for that not to be in there. But if you talk about that to a legislator, they're usually absolutely they're out. They want no part of it. That's not right. Why would we? It's discrimination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I look at it as discrimination. Um <clears throat> And for that same reason, I also, I don't want this to be taxed. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't tax other medications. And though our last several bills have not been taxed towards the patient, there are taxes on everybody between the, you know, the seed to the sale. Mm-hmm. So that's all going to come out in the end. We know that, you know, so maybe they don't call it a tax, but it will absolutely add into the um, price of the final product. We don't, we don't want to do that to our patients. You know, we're not trying to profit off of people who are having a hard time, you know, again, ridiculous. No, I think that's something really smart that you're talking about that oftentimes get missed even though yeah. there's not that final end tax that the yeah. customer is paying, there are four or five different levels of processing or distribution or cultivation that all yes. got taxed and bumped up on the way to the medical patient. Yes. And, and if we are, if we are going to add those taxes in, then I want to see them used in a way that helps the patient. Some of the bills that we've seen, um, they take that money or they take these little, um, I forget the, the formidable name of the kinds of taxes, maybe excise tax or whatever, mm-hmm. but they take some, you know, some portion of the funds and it'll go like to law enforcement to increase their training or mm-hmm. um, whatever. In my opinion, I want to see that go to, I'd rather see it go to an indigent care package um, mm-hmm. or, or an indigent care program for patients who cannot afford their cannabis. Let's, let's help those out. Um, 100%. So I'd like to see that. And then the last thing, over the last couple of years, this will be a controversial one. But over the last couple of years, we have seen pharmacists kind of nosy their way into the bill. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, our state is heavily lobbied by the pharmaceutical industry. Um, And we even have a pharmacist on our medical cannabis advisory board. She's wonderful, great person. Um, This is nothing against her by any means, but the only people who want pharmacists to be involved in these bills are pharmacists themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to agree with the majority on this one. Their involvement has little to no benefit and again, adds greater cost to the patient. Uh, the information that they have has not been learned any different 
than what we can get it for free online. Mm. Uh, it's well established on the internet and it's free. And then in states with out pharmacy involvement, they literally have signs on their, um, I've been in dispensaries where they have signs that show the common drug interactions. Mm-hmm. And that, again, if that information is um, free, well-established and available to anybody who needs it, then why should our patients have to pay an extra $40 a year for a pharmacist to Google it? Exactly. Well, and also it just with the amount of, well, with how little harm, I guess I would say that's so far been indicated in use, it'd be different if there was a serious danger to people using this. But so far, for the most part, like as far as I know, even you would have to be using heavily, heavily, heavily. And there are so many things that people can get over the counter or at the grocery store that Mm -hmm. hurt much more way faster oh yeah and and uh you know let's not forget how many thousands of different medications come out each year probably each day at this point with little um you know black box warnings and horrendous drug interactions uh and those that carry really safety really serious safety risks, but pharmacies don't get to charge them an extra $40 a year. You know, Mm -hmm. I I feel like uh, that's a dangerous slope to slide down. You know, I don't want, um, what if, if pharmacists got to charge this little consultation fee for people taking every medication again, I feel like it's discrimination. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to further profit off the backs of poor people. And I disagree with that. Um, you know, our pharmacist at the table would say, you know, well, I'm not just here to advocate for the, for the patients. I'm here, to, I'm here to advocate for you, but I'm here to advocate for, you know, the healthcare professionals in the room and the pharmacy too. But that's not my job. My job is to advocate for the patients. And uh, I, and I am sorry if that hurts a pharmacist's feelings, but that's <laughs> the way I feel about it. And I found that that's the way the majority of Kentuckians and advocates alike feel about this issue. So we just prefer them to stay in their lane. I think and, you're spot on the money, especially after opioids. Yes. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, Oh, yeah. And one other thing, the bud, the flower, that's got to be, that will be a deal breaker in a second. It's got to be in the bill. Mm-hmm. It several of our, yeah, several of our legislators call this a pill and an oil bill. Um, and they'll say, oh, well, no flower. We do have flower and have had flower in every bill we've worked on. Um, even though, you know, it's a technically they say no smoking, but, um, Mm -hmm. the flower is still there and, and it should be, um, I I've done 
pretty extensive research on just looking at the flowers. And, uh, you know, I found that it's one of the uh, raw cannabis is very rich with antioxidants and antibiotics and anti-inflammatories. And it's, it's really a superfood and consumed in its natural form or being juiced. That's one of the best things that we can do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to fight to keep flour in the bill. And for any medical patients or people who might be looking for medical benefits with cannabis in Kentucky, do you have any suggestions for them on resources that they can go to to learn more for themselves or to get in touch with people who might be able to help friendly health care providers? I, I am always a proponent of talking to your own health care providers. If this is, you know, this is, I've found, you know, I have a child. And so when we go to the doctor, um, you wouldn't think that we'd be sitting around talking about medical marijuana, but we do. I've been very open with my daughter's physicians um, and they're all on board. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's best to talk to your doctors. If this is something that you want, talk to them, start talking to them about this issue. And if you find that they are not supportive and you are dead set on this, then it's time to find a different doctor. Um, you've got to remember that a lot of the people practicing medicine these days have not been educated um, with much more than just the age old propaganda. Um, but that's no excuse at this point to not be. This has been legal for what, 30 years in California now. Mm -hmm. um, and over half the United States um, I think it's like 80% of our population live in legal areas. So it, there's no excuse at this point for your physicians to not be educating themselves on the matter. But absolutely, having a good healthcare provider is important. Um, and talk to them about this issue. Make plans for when it's legal. Um, and make sure that... Um, when it is that they're gonna, they're gonna support your use of it. I think that it's, uh, very important to just keep them in the loop and, uh, um, just let them, let them help guide you. Mm -hmm. Kristen, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.